Hello, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 69 for August the 20th, 2006. Going to have a little different kind of show this week, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get going. like to welcome everyone as I normally do to the show. This is Rico and you're listening of course to Treks in Sci-Fi, your podcast about science fiction and fantasy type entertainment. Primarily Star Trek, but this week as you could tell from the opening music that I played there, we're going to look at uh, something a little different for our primary topic of the week. We're going to look at a couple of TV shows that I enjoyed greatly when they were airing and still do uh, enjoy these even in uh, reruns on DVD. They are uh, the shows Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Both excellent shows, definitely worthy of a podcast. So I'll be looking at those here in a, in a few after we get through the usual uh, kind of general announcements and email portion of the show. Just a couple of brief announcements, and then we'll do some email and get to the main topics. Uh, the first one, if again you go to the main webpage, I'm always tinkering at treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. I've changed uh, changed the front page a little bit. I added a little video clip uh, player to the front page. I'm still having a few, mm, what should we say, technical difficulties with this thing. Basically, it's supposed to enable me to play or enable the uh, viewer to play up to five clips if I have them loaded in there. But I only seem to be able to get two to work correctly, and you have a little trouble sometimes going back and forth between them. Basically, what I want to use that for is I'm going to put a video clip uh, up that's sort of representative of the current uh, podcast, kind of like the podcast player where you can play the, the current audio from the podcast I'm going to put a little video preview for the current podcast and maybe the one just previous to that up in that video player. So, for example, if I'm looking at a Star Trek episode, you'll probably see there a preview for the particular Star Trek episode that I'm looking at. and uh, Or a movie, if I'm looking at that, there'll be a preview up for that. Yeah, hopefully that'll work for everyone. I think you need to have uh, the latest like ActiveX running on your uh within your browser and all that. So it's if anyone's got trouble, send me an email at treksf at gmail.com, and I'll, I'll try to help you out. But I've tried it in a few browsers in a few different configurations, and it seems to be working okay. And It's a pretty slick little uh, little item that, I, uh, that I've got up in there. And I also added a few photos of myself uh, with my new webcam. I kind of took a few pictures, and those are kind of randomly popping up on the left side, on the left column of the main website. So, you know, check out the main webpage and let me know what you think. I'm trying to keep, uh, you know, 
changing things occasionally on there, make it a little interesting. But I'm trying not to not to load up the main web page with too much junk. Right now, I think it's about the uh, about the way I'd like it. I think it'll probably stay that way for a bit, maybe with just a few occasional minor, minor, very minor tweaks. And as I've uh, talked about before, I'm, I'm finalizing the, the design and costs and things for the T-shirts for the podcast, for the show. If you look at the main webpage or on the forums there, uh, there are examples of those. I think I'm leaning towards a, the design should stay the same, but I think I'm leaning now towards a lighter blue for the T-shirt. I've looked at a lot of different colors. I'm trying to find something that kind of matches up the graphics it makes it look nice, and also something that's a little above and different than the normal black or white t-shirts that are everywhere, so probably going to go either light or dark blue, probably light blue, but I will, uh, I'm going to try to finalize that soon and talk about that. Uh, it's probably going to run in the 20 to $25 range for the shirts, which would include shipping also. Going to probably order a group of them, maybe take some pre-orders, and then uh, ship them out. I'll, I'll get the group uh, sent to me, and then ship them out individually. The sizes that sh- uh, each person orders, ship them out from here to wherever you are. So, look for that uh, on the main webpage. If I do uh, get that settled this week sometime, I will put an announcement up there with information on how to order the shirts and all that. So, if you're interested in that, stay uh, stay tuned and and check out the main webpage for information. Not a lot in the sci-fi realm and news this week. I did notice Yahoo had an announcement on their main webpage. I think this was yesterday's. Christie's, uh, the big auction house, is having a huge Star Trek uh, kind of memorabilia. uh, That's not really the right right word. Uh, They're having a huge Star Trek auction with items that have been used on all the different Star Trek series over the years. A lot of costumes, some models... Uh, a few props, uh, a whole big uh, gargantuan amount of items. I think there's literally thousands of items they're auctioning off. This is going to happen in New York at the early part of October, I think like the first weekend of October. You can find more information uh, about that at Christie's.com. But the main thing I wanted to mention, yesterday I placed an order for Christie's has a huge two-volume color catalog of all the Star Trek items that are going to be for sale in this auction and this catalog can be ordered through their website and I, I actually ordered it yesterday for myself it's it's kind of expensive the, the catalog's like $90 but it's just got a wealth if you're really into Star Trek and some history of the show there are some photographs of these items in, in these books this two volume set that you'll never really see in any other publication and if you're into collecting and replication of costumes or items from the shows this this reference material will be invaluable i think in the future so i think it's uh for the collector out there it's definitely worth it and it's probably about as close as i'll get to many most of these items although they're they're saying that a lot of these items may not end up going for that much money you know maybe a hundred dollars or a couple hundred for some of the lower priced items but i I think they're uh, underestimating the 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 craziness of the Star Trek collector out there, and I, th- I think they're—I uh, think they're going to get a lot more money than they might think for some items, and I doubt much is going to go for a very low price. So, anyway, this uh, take a look at Christie's.com if you're interested in any of this uh, information and the book of everything they're auctioning off. Okay, I think now we're going to move on to some email that I've gotten in the last week or so. Now it's time to look at some email. 
on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Our first email I wanted to read is from Michael. I've already answered him, but I'll, I'll just mention this uh, on the show. I've says, Michael uh, says, uh, Hi, I've watched Season 4 of TNG. I've got a few ideas for some shows, the main one being uh, the first one, The Wounded. It's the first show that have the Cardassians in it, and it shows goes into O'Brien's past when he served with Captain Maxwell, who is now in command of the Phoenix. It looks at his bitterness towards the Cardassians and how he interacts with them quite a bit. The uh, other good shows to look at, he says, is one called Reunion, Data's Day, The Drumhead, uh, all in Season 4. He says that's when he thinks uh, TNG really got going and has a, it's more than its fair share of good shows. He uh, Michael also mentioned, this is the main part I really wanted to discuss, was also on the format of the show. I, Michael says, I prefer the old style, the clips with comments rather than the running commentary. I think it lets you point out things and draw attention to aspects of the show better if you don't get interrupted by the story running on. It also help, helps to keep the length of the show down a bit. Great show. Keep it going. You've got only about 650 more episodes to do, Michael. Yeah, uh, thanks for your email, Michael. On the format com or the situation, I'm probably still going to keep it about 50-50, some with the full commentary and some with clips. I do agree with you on the – I think I do better commentary, and I think it's a little bit more interesting with the clip shows. I can talk a little bit more, and I, I kind of organize my thoughts by cr- collecting the audio ahead of time rather than just watching the show and – and talking about whatever pops in my head. I mean, I usually have a, an idea of what I want to get across, but it, it's uh, it, it frankly is it's a little bit easier for me to do the full commentary in a way because I can just pop in the DVD and, and talk while the show is airing rather than hunting it through and picking out clips. But it's uh, I'm going to kind of mix it up. That way I figure I, I, I change things around a little bit for me, and I also keep everyone kind of happy if I do a mix of both. The ones that enjoy the clip shows, I, you know, that'll be half the time roughly, and the ones with the full commentary, I'll do roughly half. It's, uh, you know, that's it's going to be hard. I may, it may not necessarily go 50-50. I've obviously done a lot of shows with just clips and only started recently doing the full commentary. So that's, uh, we'll just kind of mix it up, see how it goes. So thanks for your email, Michael. Got an email here from Ela Avar. Avar? Uh, I've gotten a few emails from uh, him before, and just wanted to point out a few things. He re- he wrote uh, a rather long, uh, long email talking about Mirror Mirror episodes and Doctor Who, and then the Q Who podcast that I did last week. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but uh, he just uh, had a lot to good, a lot of good information to say, and I've already written him back. But I wanted to say hi to him, and thanks for your email. And I think just one more email for uh, today for this morning. Uh, this is from Jim Wong. Uh, he's written before, and the main thing I wanted to point out, Jim wrote me and told me he picked up and got the, uh, there's a, a new Hallmark ornament this uh, year with, uh, it's sort of a transporter chamber from the original series, and he sent me a photo actually just a few minutes ago as I'm getting ready to do the podcast. And this ornament looks really neat. It looks like they have some nice ornaments this year. There's a there's especially a 40th anniversary Enterprise ornament from the original series, which looks really nice. I have to get out to the uh, local Hallmark store and pick some of these things up because they've got a nice mix of ornaments out this year. And I really, I usually try to pick those up uh, in the fall sometime, you know, September, August, when they first come out to make sure I don't miss them, at least the ones that I really want to get. So thanks uh, for your information uh, on that, Jim. 
And that should just about wrap things up for the email section. I want to get right into talking about uh, Buffy and Angel because there's a lot to cover there, and the, you know, two two TV shows that had a lot of seasons. Uh, and let's, uh, well, hey, you know what? Let's get started with a little music from Buffy. So let's get going here. Every single night, the same arrangement. I go out and fight the fight. Still I always feel the strangest estrangement Nothing here is real, nothing here is right I've been making shows of trading blows Just hoping no one knows But I've been going through the motions Walking through the part Nothing seems to penetrate my heart I was always brave and kind of righteous Now I find I'm wavering Crawl out of your grave, you find this fight just doesn't mean a thing. She ain't got that swing. Thanks for noticing. She does pretty well with fiends from hell, but lately we can tell that she's just going through the motions. Through the motions. Somehow, she's not even half the girl she... Stay this way forever Sleepwalk through my life's endeavor How can I repay Whatever I don't want to be Going through the motions Losing all my drive I can't even see If this is really me And I just want to be Well, okay, the the main, uh, like I said, topic for this week uh, is going to be Buffy and Angel. These uh, these are more supernatural, fantasy-type TV shows, not really science fiction and certainly not Star Trek, but two shows that I re- very much enjoyed, and I thought it would be good to talk about. I'm hoping this will be a good podcast for folks and a little different. That uh, And if you haven't seen these shows, it's definitely worth checking both of them out. Both of them have all their seasons out on DVD now, and you can definitely pick up those at a, at a good price and and see what you missed. Now, just for some for some background for those that are not up on their Buffy and Angel lore out there, let's just go back in time to around 1990, 1991 or so. Joss Whedon, who worked on the excellent Firefly and Serenity movies and has written a lot of good television and movies, created a uh, character called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he wrote a script for the movie with um, Christy Swanson as the main lead as Buffy in the movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This came out in 1992. And the the main thing I've always heard about Buffy and his idea for it was he wanted to kind of do, and I, I like Joss Whedon because he goes against type. He, he doesn't uh, give you the traditional situation. And For example... He created a blonde, kind of you know, bubbly, almost airhead kind of cheerleader character to some degree, and she turns out to be a basically a weapon to destroy evil out there. She's the vampire slayer. At first, in the movie, she doesn't realize it, but it finds out, and then realizes there's this sort of destiny that she's associated with. So he takes a a classic situation of you know, in a lot of slasher and horror type movies, the cheerleaders you know, are the ones that the killers go after and attack and kill. 
and he thought it would be a neat twist on things to make uh, a cheerleader character, a typical blonde cheerleader character, kind of fight back and be a a force to oppose all the evil out there. And, and basically she was able to defend herself. She had sort of supernatural strength because she is the slayer. Let me give you the uh, the little tag at the beginning of the TV show that was always said. It says, uh, in every generation there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the slayer. And this was, uh, at least in the early seasons of the TV show, this is what was uh, said at the beginning of the show to give people a, a quick and a couple sentence an idea of what the show was all about. Of course, there was a lot more to it, a lot more depth and characterization, and we'll, we'll be talking about that here as the podcast goes on. But I wanted to talk a little bit about where it came from and the background of it. And with that, I think I'm going to play uh, the trailer. This is the trailer for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. And you'll be able to tell a little bit from the trailer, and if you've seen the movie, that most of the elements that ended up in the TV show are still here. It's a little different, uh, not quite uh, nearly as developed as the TV show eventually becomes, but the the idea and the, the essence of Buffy, I think, is still there. So listen to this movie trailer for the movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Here we go. I just met this girl named Buffy. I'm Pike. Pike isn't a name, it's a fish. I liked her, even though she seemed kind of flaky. But, as it turns out... You have been chosen, Buffy. Do what? To stop the vampires. Does Elvis talk to you? And things started getting weird around here. Are we having a nightmare? You threw a knife at my head. And you caught it. She was the one person I could really count on. Kill him a lot. Hi. Hi. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. Hi. How's it going? You're obviously having a bad hair day. If she can just get rid of those other guys in her life. Christy Swanson. I am so sure. Donald Sutherland. Ah, ah. Paul Rubens. Ah. With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy, you're not like other girls. Yes, I am. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. I didn't even break a nail. Directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie. You can see the, like I said, the elements for Buffy are all really there still, I think, in the movie. And it's interesting to to hear the cast names. You know, people like Luke Perry, Rutger Hauer. Hey, he turns up in all these kind of those kind of movies. It seems like Paul Rubens is in uh, the vamp, uh, the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. It was a, it's a pretty enjoyable film actually. I definitely, if you if you've seen the Buffy television show but you've never seen the movie, I would definitely say you know rent it, check it out. It's uh, it's an enjoyable little movie, and again, I think the the essence of what Buffy ends up uh, becoming and and you know the kind of show it turns into on on television is a lot what you know was done in the movie. And there's a lot of humor, but there's a uh, there's a lot more seriousness, I think, that ends up in the in the mo- or sorry in the television show version, especially as the seasons go on. In the in there, uh, in all the responsibility that comes with being the Slayer is really, really what ends up coming out in the television show. Well, let's uh, 
Now let's get into the TV show part of it now. Just wanted to give you a little background there if you hadn't if you didn't know about that part of of the Buffy history. The the television show started in March uh, of 1997. It ran for 7 seasons in total, ended in May of 2003. So it's been gone now for 3 years and you know, I, I frankly really really miss this show a lot. The it was a it was a great show to watch each week. I mean, there was your the great thing I thought about the Buffy TV and Angel TV shows is it, within an a single episode of these shows, you would go all the way from from laughing out loud to to almost crying. I mean, they they would take you sort of on an emotional roller coaster ride each week with just what was going on, and it besides the supernatural elements, you know, Buffy's out there fighting demons and, and slaying vampires. The the characters always seemed very real to me. They they were they didn't seem to act, you know, they seemed to act like people would act under these circumstances. They got upset, they got, you know, a little crazy, they they got worried. They, you know, she wasn't the perfect hero or heroine. Uh, and and just and she had a great group around her. They had a lot of good supporting characters. Since sort of let's uh, go through that a little bit. I mean, you had the main uh, the main cast members. Sarah Michelle Gellar was of course Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I, I can't say enough about how good she did in this in this role. She she was physically could could look like she was hitting demons and slaying vampires and kind of pulled that part of it off really well. I thought. She also had the the acting talent, I believe, and and the range, and and could really pull out the emotions when it was necessary. You could really see in a lot of scenes, you know, just the the expressions on her face when she would had had to go out night after night, you know, to fight these things. And all she really wanted to have was was a normal life. And she had, uh, she, you know, she had some friends around her that were her support group. You know, they ended up being called the Scooby Gang. Sort of as a, a throwback. This was even before uh, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar ended up in the Scooby Doo movies. But she had a group of friends that helped her solve these problems. She had her ma- her main closest friend was Willow, played by Allison Hannigan. Willow Rosenberg, who turns out to be a, a powerful ally as the years go on, because she's uh, she's a witch on the show and she can do magic and she can. She's also very smart. She can look things up for for Buffy and whenever she needs some help. And then you had the character of Giles, which was the Watcher in the show, which this character basically, each Slayer is assigned a Watcher to sort of train and obviously watch over the Slayer and help her learn and how to deal with uh, the vampires, the demons, and and other things she has to fight uh, over the years. And Anthony, uh, I think, yeah, Anthony Stewart Head is an Englishman who did a great job in this role. You know, he was sort of a father figure to Buffy, Buffy had a mother on the show, but didn't have a father. Her father was uh, was gone. I, yeah, they were divorced, if I remember. Yeah, that was right. I, he wasn't dead. He, they were just divorced, I think. And I think you did see him occasionally, once or twice in the series. I'm trying to recall right now. But, you know, the the Watcher Giles was, was Buffy's um, father figure, and she did have a mother on the show. And I'm going to play a... Uh, an audio clip here to give you a feel for the mother-daughter relationship. This is an interesting audio clip because what this is is one uh, Buffy's mother first finds out that she her daughter is this vampire slayer. This scene is when that happens, and it's it's just great the way they do it because it's it's so real to me of like, hey, you know, one of your kids comes to you someday, your daughter, and tells you, 
oh, and by the way, Mom, I'm, I'm a vampire slayer. And if you listen to this clip, it just comes off as being completely kind of predictable. Well, not, that's not the right word. It's it's natural. It is it is w- the way people you would think would react because her mom is basically like, uh, um, <laughs> you know, she's kind of freaking out slightly about the whole situation. So let, let me just play the clip for you and you'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about. This deal works only one way, full stop. Me and Drew for Angel. Honey, are you sure you're a vampire slayer? I'll take her out of the country. You'll never hear from us again. I bloody well hope. Fine. Get back to the mansion. Make sure Giles is all right. I, I mean, have you tried not being a slayer? Mom, be ready to back me up when I make my move. If Giles dies, she dies. It's because you didn't have a strong father figure, isn't it? It's just fate, Mom. I'm the slayer. Accept it. We should call the police. No, we're not calling the police. Well, now that we know that you're innocent, it's... What? You thought I was guilty? Jeez, feeling the love in this room. No, I didn't think that. It's just... Now we have proof. We have my word, Mom. Not proof. Look, I am sure that they will understand. You'll get them involved. You'll get them killed. Well, you're not going to hurt them, are you? I'm a slayer, not a postal worker. Cops can't fight demons. I have to do it. Do what? Buffy, what is happening? Just have another drink. Don't you talk to me that way. You don't get to just dump something like this on me and pretend it's nothing. I'm sorry, Mom, but I don't have time for this. No, I am tired of I don't have time or or you wouldn't understand. I am your mother and you will make time to explain yourself. I told you. I'm a vampire slayer. Well, I just don't accept that. Open your eyes, Mom. What do you think has been going on for the past two years? The fights, the weird occurrences. How many times have you washed blood out of my clothing and you still haven't figured it out? Well, it stops now. No, it doesn't stop. It never stops. Do do you think I chose to be like this? Do you have any idea how lonely it is? How dangerous? I would love to be upstairs watching TV or gossiping about boys or God, even studying. But I have to save the world. Again. No, this is insane. Buffy, you need help. I'm not crazy. What I need is for you to chill. I have to go. No, I am not letting you out of this house. You can't stop me. Yeah, that's uh, that's Christine Sutherland. Uh, plays uh, Buffy's mother, uh, Joyce, in that scene. I apologize that the audio was kind of a little choppy, that I got that uh, clip online and it wasn't the greatest, but I I thought that was an important, good scene to play. And, you know, I I, I can't say enough. Did I use that kind of phrase already in this podcast? Sarah Michelle Gellar is Buffy. I I think she just does such a great job in in this role. And I'm not even, I have to look it up, but I don't know if she ever won an Emmy Award, but I think her and even a couple of the other characters and the actors on this show deserve that. I mean, these these people, uh, you know, they, they put it out there every week uh, in what they did on the show, and it really shows through a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion in Buffy and Angel, both these television shows, which to me makes uh, a great show. Uh, another example to me of that is... is Farscape, the the sci-fi show, which I did a whole podcast on. Uh, these these shows just really get to your heart, I think, and I think that's what one of the things that makes them great. Uh, but let's go on. Let's talk a few more, uh, a little bit more about some of the other recurring and, and regular characters on the show. I already talked about you had uh, Willow, which was uh, uh, that uh, Buffy's friend, the, the witch, 
and you have uh, Xander, which was a good character. He uh, he was basically uh, just a regular guy, but finds out pretty early on that Buffy's this vampire slayer, and he decides to help her out. And the neat thing about this character was he didn't have any special powers. He wasn't a witch or have any magic or super strength or anything like that, but he would get out there and fight it you know, as much as he could with uh, with the rest of them. And he helped and, and did what he could do. And it was, uh, that was good. I, I It was, you know, gave people in the audience, you know, somebody to identify with, somebody to say, you know, he's like, this this kid was out there fighting alongside Buffy, even though he, he was really risking a lot each week because he didn't have super strength or the ability to heal his cuts and scrapes and everything like Buffy could. So, it was uh it was a great uh a great role and a great character there. He was played by let me look this up real quick. Alright, that was uh Nicholas Brendan in the role of Xander. And you have the character of Spike, uh who plays uh played by James Marsters. You heard him a little bit at the beginning of that last audio clip. The character of Spike was and just like Angel on Buffy and then later in his own T V show was a vampire, and the, the really neat thing I thought about Spike was he changed and evolved so much over the course of the series. You know, he starts out, I'm not going to give too much away for people who haven't seen this, but he starts out as a real evil vampire bad guy. He's kind of uh, sort of Buffy's nemesis at the beginning a little bit, but he eventually helps her out, and the, a lot of things change over the years between them, and it's that's what another great thing about both of these shows is that nothing stayed the same. From episode to episode, from season to season, things changed, and the characters would have to change with those things. It wasn't very, you know, a stagnant show where the characters were the same every week. Okay, here's another demon, kill it, and then let's go on, and, and we're all still the same. And the next week we get, you know, a demon with three horns instead of two, and we kill that one, and then the next week is, you know, this little slug, big slug thing that looks like Jabba the Hutt or whatever, and we kill that, and then we go on. No, the, what was going on, both the, the things they would have to deal with and fight affected them and changed them. And that was another great aspect to the show that I just uh, really loved that you had to follow it. You know, there were sometimes an ongoing storyline in the, in the season, and then you would ha- occasionally you would have sort of a standalone episode. But everything that was taking place, everything that was written and happening throughout the show was you know had an impact had had made a difference with things uh i've got to also mention joss whedon's writing on this show was was superb i mean he had so many lines i wanted to always have a little notepad with me because each week each episode there'd be so many lines that were just hilarious that he would write just just the the comments that different people would make on the show and sometimes it would be buffy saying something and it, sometimes it would be, you know, it would be Nicholas Brendan, it would be Xander, or Cordelia, who was also on the show, or Willow. Willow always had a lot of great lines because just her personality on the show was was, was very interesting and different than your typical, uh, you know, teenager on a, on a teenage type show. So it's it's really good uh, good things. Oh, another uh, another character on the show, especially in the early seasons, was Seth Green played uh, Oz, who was in a in a band, but he was also a uh, he was also a werewolf, uh, which uh, made it interesting. He was the boyfriend of Willow too at the beginning of Buffy, so that you've got uh, a lot of interesting, real interesting, different characters throughout the series. And each season, they'd introduce uh, you know, usually each season introduce sort of another character that would sort of be 
become part of the little Scooby gang and the group. I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to play another clip here from Buffy. This one is, this one's rather long. There is a, uh, I'm trying to remember what season this is, probably around season two maybe, early, fairly early in the series. But this is, there are a couple other vampire slayers that, that show up uh, through different circumstances. And a recurring one, a uh, really interesting one, was Faith uh, on the show. And this clip that I'm going to play is with Faith, Angel, and Buffy. Buffy's been sort of captured and is chained up to a wall. And Faith is sort of an evil vampire slayer. She's, she's not at all like Buffy, and Angel has uh, sort of been uh, turned evil in this scene. So uh, listen to this clip. This has got some good stuff in it. It's Like I said, it's fairly long, a couple of minutes long, but there's some good uh, good dialogue in this one. So listen to this. Morning, sleepyhead. You know what I just can't believe? All of our time together, we never tried chains. Well, can't dwell on the past, especially with the future we have ahead. Bondage looks good on you, B. The outfit's all wrong, but hey. You don't know what you're doing. Really? Weird. Because something about all this just feels so right. Maybe it's one of those unhappy childhood things. See, when I was a kid, I used to beg my mom for a dog. Didn't matter what kind. I just wanted, you know, something to love. The dog's all I wanted. Well, that and toys. But Mom was so busy, you know, enjoying the drinking and passing out parts of life that I never really got what I wanted. Until now. Faith, listen to me very closely. Angel's a killer. When he's done with me, he'll turn on you. She's right. I probably will. Yeah? Huh. I guess we'll just have to keep you around a while then. Before we get started, I just want you to know, if you're a screamer, feel free. Why, Faith? What's in it for you? What isn't? You know, I come to Sunnydale. I'm a slayer. I do my job kicking ass better than anyone. What do I hear about everywhere I go? Buffy. So I slay. I behave. I do the good little girl routine. And who does everybody thank? Buffy. That's not my fault. Everyone always asks, why can't you be more like Buffy? But did anyone ever ask if you could be more like me? No, I didn't. You get the Watcher. You get the Mom. You get the little Scooby gang. What do I get? Jack Squat. This is supposed to be my town. Faith, listen to me. Why? So you can impart some special Buffy wisdom, that it? Do you think you're better than me, do you? Say it. You think you're better than me. I am. Always have been. Um, maybe you didn't notice. Angel's with me. And how'd you get him, Faith? Magic. You cast some sort of spell? Because in the real world, Angel would never touch you and we both know it. <coughs> you had to tie me up to beat me. There's a word for people like you, Faith. Loser. That's uh, Eliza Dushku uh, in the role of Faith, who uh, does a really great job with the role of Faith. And, and that's another character, you know, that starts out, 
again, not trying to give too much away on, on this podcast for those that have never seen uh, these shows, but faith is no one's black and white on this show. Faith starts out to be sort of this evil, nasty version of Buffy. She has all of Buffy's uh, skills and abilities, her powers. She's a slayer also, but she's she's nasty. She's she's had a rough uh, upbringing and it's made her kind of nasty and she's out for herself and she doesn't have that sort of self-sacrifice altruistic nature that Buffy has where Buffy's out trying to save the world every night. Faith is just in it for herself, but that doesn't stay the same. It doesn't stay that way. She eventually shows up also on the Angel TV show and goes through lots of different changes over the years. And and let's just say by the end of it, she ends up uh, she ends up fighting side by side with Buffy uh, in numerous times throughout the uh, both shows. So that's uh, that's just that's what I love about both these these shows is. Nothing is exactly what you'd expect. You get surprised a lot. Um, you know, people come in, they go away. They, you know, people are are living, dying. There's just so many things happening all the time. And Joss Whedon really keeps you on your toes and keeps you guessing. And it's it's great. It's great television. Really, I uh, can't say enough about his writing and the directing and everything on the show. I mean, you had a. Let me give you a couple other examples of of some classic Buffy TV uh, episodes. There was one where there were these evil guys. I, I, I forget what they were actually called. Uh, something like that. I think there were a couple shows where they just called them the evil guys. Anyway, these this episode, uh, the almost the entire episode was there was no um, there was no di- well there was sort of dialogue, but there was no sound. What happened was there was a sort of a magic spell that was cast, and no one could you know make any sounds on the show. You would see them moving their lips but no sound came out so this this whole show i think the name of the episode was silence or something like that and it it was just incredible i I read comic books and i remember a couple of comics where they did a special issue where they tried to do a whole issue where there were no dialogue balloons where everything was just sort of shown visually and this uh this particular episode of buffy you know the whole episode there was no there was no vocalization there was no talking they tried to talk, and occasionally, you know, they'd write something down and show it to the other person, but they had to communicate with without actually talking because of this magic spell thing from the evil guys and all. And it, it was just amazing, and it was a very interesting show. And, and to do something like that, you know, I could just see Joss coming in and say, you know, I want to do a show where no one actually talks on the whole episode. There was a, a little magic thing that happens and nobody can talk. I mean, come on, what other show would you see something like that happen? They also had a... Uh, one of its probably best-known episodes, and a great one, is they did a musical episode. And the, the interesting, funny thing about this, it was another little magic spell kind of that a demon kind of got going in the in the town, and it basically made most everyone have to communicate through song, just like you do in a musical. I mean, there are little bits of regular dialogue throughout the show, but then every few minutes, somebody would want to talk about something or explain something, and they would they would break out into a, a musical number. And all the cast did their own singing in the show, and they did song, you know, singing and dancing in the show because it again, it was just it was it was called like Buffy the Musical was this episode. I think it was around season five or so, and it was just great, great music, great singing, and the the songs in that episode were you know, fit whatever they were talking about. It wasn't just sort of tossed in music. It would tell a story. 
and it was it was really really well done. That was a, a definitely a highlight in the, in throughout the Buffy seasons that that were put out was the musical episode. Yeah, they even uh, put out a whole uh, a CD soundtrack for for that episode, which is which is great stuff, great music uh, in that episode. And I think Joss Reed, Joss, excuse me, Joss Whedon wrote all the music in that episode also. So check that out when you get a chance. I want to play one more uh, clip from Buffy, and then we're going to switch gears so I can get it in. Uh, we're going to switch and talk about Angel. But this last clip I'm going to play from Buffy is a this is in the the last season of Buffy there is this big evil called the first that's basically uh out to to destroy uh Buffy and, and everything else in its way and Buffy has tried to fight this uh and and she's getting she's basically getting her butt handed to her she's getting nearly killed and she, all of her allies in the Scooby gang and some new people that have shown up are in her in her house and Buffy is really beaten down. She's she's tried and tried and tried and not getting anywhere. And she comes into them, and she basically gives kind of a pep talk in a way. But this is not your average everyday kind of like, you know, a football team's about to go out and play a game pep talk. This is a Buffy pep talk. So let's play the clip, and you'll know what I'm talking about. We're back at square one. Which square would that be exactly? I'm not sure. The first predates everything we've ever known. Or can know. It's everywhere. It's pure. I don't know if we can fight it. You're right. We don't know how to fight it. We don't know when it'll come. We can't run. Can't hide. Can't pretend it's not the end because it is. And something's always been there to try and destroy the world. We've beaten them back. But we're not dealing with them anymore. We're dealing with the reason they exist evil, the strongest, the first. Buffy, I'm, I know you're very tired. I'm beyond tired. I'm beyond scared. I'm standing on the mouth of hell and it is going to swallow me whole. And it'll choke on me. We're not ready. They're not ready. They think we're going to wait for the end to come. Like we always do. I'm done waiting. They want an apocalypse. Well, we'll give them one. Anyone else who wants to run, do it now. Because we just became an army. We just declared war. From now on, we won't just face our worst fears. We will seek them out. We will find them and cut out their hearts one by one until the first shows itself for what it really is. And I'll kill it myself. There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil. And that's us. Any questions? 
Yeah, it's a great, uh, great speech that Buffy gives there, and you know there are quite a few of those throughout the show. Uh, I'm going to talk probably occasionally about Buffy when I cover Angel here in a minute or two, but I, I just just want to really urge folks: this is uh, it's an excellent show. Definitely give it a shot. It's it starts out strong, it ends strong. I'd say maybe in the middle seasons it was a little bit weaker than the others, but overall. For seven seasons, Buffy was was one of the strongest uh, TV series. Each week after week, the writing, the everything, the directing, the acting was simply superb. And I can't say enough good things about it. Check it out. And the last thing I want to put in here about Buffy is I got a, a voicemail from uh, I think his name is Charles. Uh, I've got to listen to the listen to it again. But I will play that voicemail for you now. This is about a minute long and his comments about the Buffy TV show. So here you go. Hey, Rick, how are things going? Uh, this is Chris Schwab calling from Germany. I hope all is well in the Midwest, and I just wanted to make some quick comments on Buffy Lampire Slayer, as that seems to be your topic for this weekend's podcast. Uh, I remember that the final season of Buffy came out here in Germany during my last year in high school. It was uh, it was aired Wednesday night here, and uh, and every Thursday morning, me and uh, and a couple of friends would sit in the classroom and have heated discussions about last night's episode. Uh, I have very fond memories of those days, uh, probably also because I used to have a huge crush on Willow. Uh, but we all love the show, um, and the musical episode in particular, of course. Uh, it's definitely one of my one of my all-time favorite TV shows, and uh, I'm really looking forward to what you're going to have to say about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks in advance for covering Buffy. Take care, and have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Well, sorry, sorry about getting your name wrong at the beginning there, Chris. Uh, obviously, your name is Chris, not Charles. I was close. Chris Schraub from Germany. So thanks for those comments about Buffy. Yeah, it was... You know, I think that's one of the marks of a, of a great show that you get together with people and you talk about it. I, I've got a couple of uh, good friends that enjoy these kind of shows, and it's definitely a good sign to me if, if we're calling each other up and talking about the show or emailing about the shows after we see them. So, hey, let's go on. I think this podcast is going to little run a little long, but I think it's important to cover Angel in the, in the same uh, same podcast as Buffy. So we're going to move on to talking about uh, the television show Angel. And with that, I am going to play the the theme song, the opening music to Angel. So let's play that, and I'll come back and talk about the show. Okay, the TV show Angel, that was the opening theme music to it. And you can see it's definitely a moody kind of bit of music, and Angel was you know, very much in the style of the Buffy show. Joss Whedon worked on this show also, wrote a lot of them. But it was uh, maybe just a little bit darker show. 
the main character, of course, Angel, played by David Boreanaz, was a a very tortured character. Uh, the ba- the background there basically, uh, Angel is a vampire, but he is uh, he was cursed by by gypsies, and he is a vampire basically with a soul. And what that en- ends up meaning is that he, you know, hundreds, few hundred years in the in the past, he was he was turned into a vampire. But he did, you know, years and years, um, lots of nasty things as a vampire, you know, biting people and killing people and so on and so forth. But eventually he he gets um, cursed with this uh, situation where he has a soul. So now he is in the, you know, difficult situation of regretting and sort of trying to pay back and atoning for all of his sort of past sins and killings and everything that he did in in his in his past life, he basically has a conscience now. He he basically uh, he has uh, he regrets about everything that he did, and he's trying to atone and, and and make up for all of that, all of his past crimes in a way. And that's uh you know that's a classic situation that's that's happened in in movies, TV, books, and things like that over the years and. They did a great job with this. You would also occasionally in, in different episodes throughout Angel and in the Buffy TV show also, where uh, there were certain circumstances that would make Angel go all evil again. He uh, he would uh, something would happen and he would revert to his evil ways, and that was always interesting because you know you got to see him play a really nasty version of himself, which he sort of heard that a little bit in the Buffy clip I played with Buffy and, and, and Faith in the clip where he was sort of turned to the dark side thing. And, and there's a lot of the uh, analogies and, and situations kind of like with Star Wars and the Force where you have the, you know, the good Darth Vader in the, in, at the end and the beginning of the, of the saga and then the evil one kind of in between where he's, uh, he, he definitely, uh, Angel is definitely a tortured soul. So let's, let's just go on. There are many other characters on this show. Let me, let me go through a few of those before we get into some other clips and other discussion. Uh, the main character that transferred over from the Buffy TV show was the character of uh, Cordelia, which uh, was, you know, to begin with, was sort of a, you know, kind of an airheaded character and not really all that intelligent, but she becomes very vital to uh, Angel and what he does with the TV show, the way they set it up, it started in uh, the fall of 1999, the television show. So it overlapped with Buffy. And what Angel does is he goes out to Los Angeles. He has to kind of get away from Buffy. He realizes they really can't be together, and he leaves Buffy behind in in Sunnydale. And he goes to Los Angeles, and Cordelia kind of ends up there too. And that uh, character, Cordelia Chase, is played by Charisma carpenter and she goes out with the idea of being an actress in la but ends up working with angel they open up sort of this detective agency but the the twist with their detective agency is they pretty much just are the the detective agency of choice when you have like a ghost in your house or a demon knocking on your door or whatever is going on something a little supernatural is happening you you get a hold of uh, somehow you find out and get a hold of angel investigations and call up angel and find out uh, what he can do to help you so cordelia ended up on the show along with a another watcher character played by uh alexis denisoff i think it's denisoff how you say his last name wesley windham price who is sort of like a giles character ended up uh, first being introduced 
introduced on Buffy, who was sort of a, I think at one point in Buffy, Giles ends up uh, being sort of dismissed from from his watcher role for Buffy, and they send uh, Wesley uh, Wyndham Price in to replace uh, Giles as her watcher. And he's a very stuffy British man, and not really doesn't really fit in real well with Buffy's style and, and her sort of just get out there and do the job and, and Wesley's a lot more by the book kind of character although on Angel he turns uh, he goes through all kinds of changes on Angel and really a great character and very interesting on this uh, this TV show he actually um, did uh, did a lot of good things for the show and it was a lot of good banter between him Angel and Cordelia on the show the um the other main characters, I guess there was a character called Fred, played by Amy Acker, who came in in the later few seasons. character called Gunn, who was a black man who was a vampire killer out there fighting uh, vampires on the street who ends up hooking up with Angel. Uh, Spike ends up even on Angel occasionally, and then uh, in the last season is on full-time on the show. Lots of uh, good characters. There was a ongoing storyline throughout, throughout Angel where there was a... Uh, sort of a attorney uh, agency uh, a lawyer place called Wolferman Hart which the the attorney part of it was sort of just a cover for the fact that these people uh, were helping demons and helping vampires and doing lots of nasty evil things they were basically the the organization that Angel fought uh, periodically throughout the the television series Angel lasted for five years where Buffy lasted for seven, and like I said, they, they overlapped each other for a few years. Angel actually was on the air one year after Buffy uh, was ending, so you still had Angel even when Buffy ended for another year. And I, I think they really ended, and in, in the WB, which had Angel at the time, I think it ended on the WB, maybe UPN, they, they, they bopped around from network to network, not really that important, but uh, they announced, the network announced actually after they canceled Angel after only five seasons that they probably made a mistake. It was still getting pretty decent ratings, and I, it, they really, it, definitely for the show and for the storylines, they definitely had a lot more life left in them. But they kind of ended it a little prematurely, and they even announced uh, officially re, you know, regretting their decision. And there was some talk that they were going to try to bring it back shortly thereafter, but you know, David Boreanaz went on to do some movies. He's got a new TV show called Bones now, so that didn't work out. Uh, I'm going to play a clip now. This, the clip, the first clip I want to play uh, from the actual TV show is this is one of the early ones where Angel first meets up with Cordelia in Los Angeles, and they meet at a a party that somebody's having, and and it, it's a fun clip. So I'm going to play that for you now. Oh my God, Angel. Nice to see a familiar face. I didn't know you were in L.A. Are you living here? Yeah. You? Malibu. A small condo on the beach. It's not a private beach, but, you know, I'm young, so I forbear. And you're acting. <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, I just started it as a way to make some quick cash, and then, boom, it was like my life. So, um, are you still... Yeah. There's not actually a cure for that. Right. But you're not evil. I mean, you're not here to, you know, bite people? No, I, I just gave a friend a ride. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I better get mingly. I really should be talking to people that are somebody. But it was fun. It's nice that she's grown as a person. Yeah, the funny thing about uh, Cordelia always was, even when she became part of uh, Angel's team and Angel's little Scooby gang in L.A., 
she still occasionally had that sort of dipsiness about her, which kind of was fun occasionally. She had a lot of things that happened to her throughout the uh, TV series of Angel also, so lots of interesting stuff going on there with uh, with that. i got to talk a little bit about uh, David Boreanaz and his portrayal of, of Angel and the character of Angel. You know, in the in the Buffy show, he was always a little bit of a second fiddle to Buffy, of course. I mean, it was her show, and but a a real interesting character. Uh, you know, this this tortured uh, soul of a vampire who was out there trying to fight uh, fight demons alongside Buffy. But when they spun him off into the Angel TV series, he really had a chance to shine, and I think uh, did a great job in in the role of Angel. He was a uh, kind of a natural leader uh, eventually especially after after he really got going on the show and he just uh did a great job the 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 leader part of it was kind of funny where there was a point in time in the angel tv show where it it actually they they decided to kind of how did they decide it they voted or did something but they ended up angel wasn't in charge anymore and he kind of had to take orders i think it was from wesley and that was just a, a fun thing. It would be like on on Star Trek, you know, Captain Kirk, you know, saying, "Well, I, don't, I, I really don't think I can be the captain right now," or the rest of the crew deciding it should be, you know, Spock or or somebody else. It, it was these are the kind of things both Angel and Buffy did all the time, where they were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that." Angel's not in charge anymore. Wes is in charge. Well, how's Angel going to deal with taking orders from Wesley or you know things like that? I mean, it's just things you would just not expect to happen would happen almost regularly on angel and buffy all the all the time that you almost got to uh, what what's the phrase you almost got to expect the unexpected which which is again one of the great things about these these tv shows is just that and there, there's no way most of the time you could expect what would happen i mean there i can remember many many shows of angel and buffy both that i would end up at the end of the show like going so something like Oh my God! I, I can't believe they did that. Or oh my God! What are they going to do now? Or, or just it's just that's the that's the fun thing about it. And a lot of the shows were were an ongoing saga that was happening, so they didn't really resolve everything in an hour each week, which was a good thing. And it was also a good thing for for the show in general because it would keep you coming back each week after week. And it wasn't you didn't really feel like you were being ripped off. It wasn't like oh well, they're just ending in another little cliffhanger to keep you watching. It was it made sense for the storyline. They would kind of resolve some things, but then something else would kind of happen, making you understand that, that most things in life don't just, you know, get all sewn up easily in an hour. And I'm kind of running off on a bit of a tangent right now, but I've uh, I've heard enough emails from people listening to the podcast that I think you enjoy that. So, hey, I'm going to play a, another clip. This one's a little longer from Angel, and I can see I'm almost at the hour mark for the, the podcast, so I'm going to have to Angel's not going to get probably quite as long a, a, as much attention as the Buffy show did, but this clip is a couple minutes, and this is just a little scene with Wesley Angel and something in their offices, and I think it sets a little bit of a mood of the, especially some of the early seasons on the show. So, so listen to this. Uh, this is pretty good stuff. You look nice. Ah! Oh, and now I look like the Joker. Sorry. Hopefully, I'm still too young. And carefree for a heart attack. Would it kill you to hum a little tune when slipping up on people? I don't hum. I'm confused, sir. Why is Mrs. Benson filed under P? It's not a P. That's an F. Where's it an R? I don't know. Maybe we could be a little less young and carefree with the filing. Oh, it's a, it's an F. I remember now. All right, so <laughs> why is Mrs. Benson filed under F? 
Because she's from France. Remember what a pain she was? Yeah. It made me want to drink a lot. Well, that's the French for you. Hello. I was just in the neighborhood, patrolling with my new Bavarian fighting ads, when I suddenly thought, perhaps Cordelia's had a vision. Perhaps you need my help in that battle against evil. We seem to be evil-free at the moment. I also packed along a word puzzle 3D, if either of you has the nerve to take me on. Gee, Wesley, I'd love to, but unlike you, I'm not in my 80s quite yet. If shaking your booty at the latest trendy hotspot is your idea of a life, then call me sick with envy. Hi, I'm Serena. Nice axe. Oh, <laughs> no, this old thing. I... We're late. Wilson practically had to have phone sex with the manager at Lounge La Brea to get us in. Okay, okay. How do I look? Like you always do. Wilson won't be able to take his eyes off you. Who's Wilson? Christopher. Christopher Wilson. Wilson Christopher. No. The ethnoarchaeologist from Brandeis. The fashion photographer from L.A. who's been seeing Cordelia. Third time's the charm. And that Hugh Grant thing is really starting to work for me. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we've been seeing someone. How come I have a mouse? Because I'm ashamed of you. Not to mention how you'd embarrass me by giving him the third degree. Yeah, so uh, there's uh, Cordelia was... Uh, was basically getting ready to go out on a date. Uh, Angel was always kind of had a thing for her on the show and always tried to protect her also, so he was a little bit jealous occasionally. And you've got Wesley in that scene in, in his uh, his normal kind of, you know, British uh, humor and and just he's out ready, ready to fight the demons out there. And, and they're like, well, we're a little demon-free right now. I mean, it's just the dialogue on both Angel and Buffy was... I've said it a three or four times in this podcast alone. Just just great. Just great stuff. Hey, uh, I'm a little over an hour now, so I'm going to wrap up the, the Buffy Angel discussion. I hope you guys have enjoyed this little break from, from the Star Trek uh, talk and other things that I usually cover. I think it was well worth it. The, uh, I'm going to come back and, and make a couple more little comments uh, uh, wrapping up the show and, and a little collectible discussion here in a minute. Just take a quick break. But, I again... Really, definitely check these shows out. If you, uh, they are not really what you would expect. I, I definitely would say if you enjoy just a good story, some good acting, adventure, and in the, you know, people. I think when they saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Angel, this this vampire show, they they, you know, they would think certain things and they get sort of things in their mind like, oh, I don't like horror movies or whatever. But this is not what these uh, what these TV shows were really all about. I mean, yeah, there are going to be demons and vampires and horror elements. But it, it's also about some very, what I would call in a unrealistic situation, some real, real people who have uh, real feelings and are affected by these things going on around them. I, I don't really know how to explain it any simpler except, hey, go down to Blockbuster or buy one of the DVD sets, maybe from the, you know, pick up the first season of Buffy, first season of Angel, and check it out and see what you think. I think they're being also rerun periodically on different cable networks, so check your... Uh, television listings to uh, to see if you can catch up on them and like i said i'm going to take a break and we'll come back and wrap up the show okay i'm back the uh for the collectibles i thought what i would talk about would be some obviously some buffy collectibles there's a company called factory x that have done a few uh, buffy the vampire slayer collectibles 
the three main ones, and I think I've talked about the the vampire uh, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer uh, scythe, the axe that they put out, which is a really neat piece. I talked about that on a previous podcast. So I'm just going to put some photos up in the podcast notes and link you to the, the section of my collection gallery online to show you that. But there are a couple other things they did. They did a, a real nice silver cross uh, from Buffy. In the first few seasons, most of the time Buffy would be wearing a silver cross on the show. And this just come on a nice silver uh, chain with, with the silver cross. And I put it in a little display box that I made for it with a little photo from the show. So that, that made a nice little display to hang up on the wall. That's by Factory X also. And they also did this magic orb kind of thing called the Orb of Thessala. I think is the way it's called. I'll, again, I'll also uh, I'll link that up. Factory X made that, and it comes in a nice little round case uh, with sort of a velvet lining, and it's a kind of a glass orb with a sort of a cloudiness to it. There's some photos up. It's easier to take a look at the pictures and, and tell me what you guys think about that. I think think they did a really good job on both these, and they're not real expensive. The uh, the Slayer Scythe is is a little bit more expensive. It's uh, it's not super sharp or anything like that. They they these prop replicas they really uh, you know have certain rules and regulations to make them uh, you know sellable and safe for uh, consumer uh, use. But not that you want to go swinging the thing around. But that's uh, that's a nice piece as well. So there's some nice Buffy stuff out there. Check eBay or some online stores for this. Uh, most of these things can still be found. I know the Slayer site didn't come out that long ago, and the Orb also. There's a vampire book by Factory X, which I haven't gotten, uh, which uh, which is a nice little thing. It, it opens up and has sort of a hidden compartment inside to store items. And I think they did a couple of... There's, an, there's an, a sword also out there. The Angel had various weapons he used, but there was a sword in particular that he used quite, a, quite often. And they also made that. So there, there are definitely some Buffy collectibles out there. And they've done a lot of action figures as well. It's a whole line of action figures. I, I don't think, maybe I picked up one or two of those, I think, but not really very many. And there are also, I think, Sideshow, yeah, let's mention them. I'm not going to get into that because I think I'll save that for another time, but Sideshow Toys has made a, a nice line of uh, 12-inch size scale uh, action figures from the Buffy uh, TV show and Angel. So check those out when you get a chance. Uh Hey, the, the last thing, though, that I want to really talk about on the show is I mentioned on the website and I had announced I'm going to do another contest. So that's what I'm going to talk about uh, now. Okay, the, the contest. The contest for, uh, for this uh, week, this will last for just one week, is I've been looking into lately. I'm, I'm left-handed. I do uh, some things right-handed, but I'm primarily left-handed person. So... In the last week or so, I've been looking up a lot of uh, information on left-handedness and left-handed uh, actors on the Internet. And some of these I knew, and some of these I, I was a little uh, surprised at. I, I wasn't aware of it. So the contest is you need to email me at treksf at gmail.com, put some kind of uh, heading in the title, contest, contest Lefties. I'm looking for the people who want to enter the contest for you to list as many uh, main Star Trek cast members that are left-handed, the actors that play uh, the different parts on all the Star Trek series, I want you to send in your list of the actors that are left-handed of the main cast members on Star Trek throughout from the original series through Enterprise. And basically, this is the way the contest is going to work. 
is uh, the person that gets the most correct uh, entries or people that they find that are left-handed and the, that I can confirm. And it would help if you have a reference on the Internet. I know most of them, and I may have missed one or two, but I know most of the ones that are left-handed. But if you've got a reference for where you find out find out that these people are left-handed, you don't have to include a reference, but it would help, uh, especially for the ones that I might not know. Uh, anyway, you can include a reference for your, your information or not. But what the, uh, the contest winner is going to get, a copy on DVD of the Star Trek movie, Star Trek Insurrection. That's uh, with the TNG crew. And it came out, uh, what year did it come out? I'm looking at it now. It was uh, 1999. So Star Trek Insurrection on DVD, the winner will get. So I'm looking for left-handed uh, actors in Star Trek of the main cast members. You should be able to find uh, pretty much one from each series, at least. So with it, that'll give you a little bit of a hint. And I hope it's an interesting contest. It's uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to find out some of this stuff. So... Send me that. If we get a tie, if, for example, I, I get uh, the most anyone gets is, say, three people that are left-handed, I will take the people, the ones that get that those uh, that top number, and we'll randomly pick one of those people for the winner. So we will have sort of a tiebreaker that way. But if we get one that gets four, but, you know, three other people get three, then it's going to go to the one that has four. If, if you're correct, obviously you have to be correct. Try not to just send in guesses. Send in those that you can re- you really do know that these people are left-handed. Now, keep in mind, sometimes actors will will fake a the way they um, use their hand on a television show versus real life. In other words, somebody uh, here. I'll give you an example. The last guy that was playing uh, James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, is actually left-handed. If you see him in some movies, he will use his left hand. But, for example, in James Bond, I, I, I believe I always saw him use a gun right-handed. But in real life, he is a left-handed guy. So do not just go by what you see on the TV screen. I'm not talking about the way they played the part. I'm talking about the way they are in real life. The actor, for example, you know, William Shatner, is he left-handed or right-handed in real life? That's what I'm looking for. And send me your list. So... I think I've babbled on enough about the contest. I hope you guys find that fun. We're looking to, uh, I'm looking to, you know, decide the winner by next weekend's podcast. So get those entries in, and I will announce the winner on next weekend's show, which will be show 70, unless I do a Wednesday show, which is uh, uh, probably not a likelihood this week. This week, Wednesday, I know I'm going to be pretty busy that day, so I probably will not be doing a Wednesday show this coming week. But next week I will be doing uh, probably show 70, and I will announce on the website sometime in the next couple of days what the subject will be for next week's show. Again, hope you've enjoyed this look at Buffy and Angel this week. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate everyone out there who takes the time to listen to my podcast. And that's going to just about do it. Sorry it ran a little long, but I, I really enjoyed doing this uh, this one. It was a fun, different kind of show to do this week. Until next week, everyone, have a good week, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. So sad though, I figured that was my place. Now I'm bathed in light. Something just isn't right. I'm under your spell. How else could it be? Anyone would notice me. It's magic, I can tell. How you set me.